All right, super pumped to be with you all tonight. Come on, let's give it up for everyone joining for the first time. So happy to have you, and I hope you feel a part of the family. And um, like the team said, my name is Pastor Mark. I get the privilege of serving as the college and young adult pastor, as well as one of the family ministry pastors at Grace. And uh, super pumped that you're here joining us. We're kicking off a new series called Soul Care. And uh, yeah, Soul Care, excited. And uh, I'm really excited about this series. And also, in the same sense, I've been really prayerful about this series. Because the truth of it is, over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking through topics such as anxiety and stress and mental illness and emotional health and well-being. And I really hope, and my prayer has been, uh, that this would help some of us find healing and hope. That's been my hope, and I pray that at the end of tonight, that you would leave better than you, than you came into the room tonight. And to start off this collection, to start out the talk, um, I want to tell you ahead of time, it's going to be a challenging message. It's going to be a deep message. It's going to be a very challenging one. Because I believe the talk and the topic that we're focusing on tonight, it's something that has plagued our generation. It's taken such a toll on our generation. It's robbed so many of us of experiencing all that God has for us. I think about this as I was studying and preparing. I was doing a little bit of research, and in the year 2020, um, the mental health hotline, they actually received 900, or the calls that they received grew by 900% in the year of 2020. Think about this. There's a statistic out there that says one in every four young adults under the age of 30 years old at some point in their life has contemplated suicide. On top of that today, we see antipsychotic drugs are actually the highest or most frequently sold drugs in the USA today. Antipsychotics are flying off the shelves. And why? Because people need help. Because so many people need help today, and I just want to let you know, I don't think this is a problem for the world to solve anymore. I think this is something the church needs to speak to and bring some answers. I don't think this is a problem for the world to solve or speak to, but I believe this is something that the church needs to speak to today, the church at large. And I believe this is something that is going to bring so many people healing and hope. And maybe you don't struggle with any of the things that we speak about over the next few weeks. I want to tell you ahead of time. I still believe God has you here on purpose and for purpose because maybe you don't struggle with that thing, but maybe someone that's in your life struggles with it or maybe someone that's not yet in your life struggles with it. And I believe God, God wants to bring healing not only to your life if you struggle with it, but he wants to use you to bring healing to someone else's life as well. He wants to use you as a part of the journey. And tonight we're going to look at 1 Kings chapter 19 verses 1 through 9. We're going Old Testament tonight, and it says this, When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you as I have killed them. It says this in verse 3, Elijah was afraid, and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I'm no better than my ancestors who have already died. Verse 5, then he lay down and he slept under a tree. 
But as he was sleeping, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and told him, get up and eat. And he looked around and there beside him, there was some bread and hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and laid down again. In verse seven, then the angel of the Lord came again and it touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank and the food gave him enough strength and the he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Then he came to a cave where he spent the night. Today we're going to be looking at 1 Kings chapter 19, and I want to talk to you on the topic of depression. I want to talk to you on the topic of depression, and as I know, this is a, a weighty discussion. I just want to pray. So, Father, I just thank you. Thank you for this day, and I thank you, Lord, that you have created a space for us to come and find healing to come and find hope. And Father, let that be the anthem of our heart, Lord, that you would come and intervene, that God, you would come and perform surgery and remove the deep, dark parts of our hearts, Lord, and that you would replace them with truth, healing, peace, and freedom. So Father, would you come and do what only you could do? And we pray all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Um, for the past couple of weeks, I've been sharing a lot about a tenant that my wife and I have in our house. It's our dog. His name is Maverick. I've been sharing a lot about this interesting animal that we call our pet. Um, and last time I spoke a few weeks back, I shared with you that we sent Maverick off to a boarding school. And in this boarding school, it was like a three-week training, and he came back home, and I was celebrating from the stage how amazing it was. And I was telling you guys, like, man, it's like we got a new dog. Two weeks later... One day I come home, late at night, Michelle and I walk in the door, and it was kind of weird, like Maverick hadn't eaten any of his food, which is highly unusual, that boy eats. And I walk in, I'm like, okay, that's weird, and I was like, all right, he must be fine, he's just not hungry. Next morning, Maverick still didn't touch his food, but still Maverick's just this overjoyed, happy, fluffy, 65-pound Aussie doodle. And uh, he's running around the house, and he's fine. He seems fine. So I'm like, this is weird. He doesn't have an appetite. Michelle and I are talking about it. And she's like, he's fine. He's good. Another day passes by. Maverick still has yet to go to the restroom or even decide to eat any of his food at this point in time. And I'm like, Michelle, there's something wrong. But being a pet owner, you know this. Whenever you have to go to the vet, you got to pay the vet. And that bill ain't fun, y'all. Like $5,000 just to take your dog in to see the vet. So here's Michelle. She's like, babe, should we take him to the vet? What would you do, Michelle? Started looking at my bank account. Like, oh, I don't know. So finally, Michelle, she's like, all right, let's wait a little bit. Still, now Maverick has yet to eat, still hasn't used the bathroom. We're three days in. And now after three days, we start seeing a little bit of a progressive decline in his behaviors. Not as energetic. He seems a little lethargic. So finally, the following day, Michelle's like, we got to take him to the vet. We take him to the vet. Michelle calls me. I'm at work. And she calls me and she says, babe, they need to do an x-ray. That's going to be another 50000 I'm like, oh. I'm just kidding. It wasn't 50000 She's like, they need to do an x-ray. I'm like, great. They do the x-ray. Michelle calls me back. Babe, they say there's something that's in Maverick's small intestine. Like, what does that mean? Like, he could pass it, right? Like, she's like, no, you need to come here now. I'm like, oh, this ain't gonna be good. I head over to the vet, I get there, and they lead with this 
Sir, we need to do emergency surgery. I'm like, slow down, explain. They, they told us there's something that is blocking his small intestine and he's not gonna be able to pass it. And if he doesn't, and if we don't perform this emergency procedure, he might die. You got two hours to make a decision. So pull the plug and we make a decision and we tell him, let's do the, the, the procedure. So they do the procedure and Michelle and I, it was so weird. We're standing there watching them cut our dog open, pull his small intestines out, and they start searching to see what's blocking it. And as they're searching his intestines, there's like this large ball in the middle of his small intestine and he cuts it open and he pulls out of it one of my socks. Let's just say that's the most expensive sock in the world. And Michelle's like, I told you so. I'm like, oh, whatever. Just pay the freaking bill. Pay the bill. I go home and I'm still kind of like grieving through that process, not because we almost lost our dog, but because I lost so much money. Anyways, God's still working on me in this area. But I share that story uh, because I believe it's such a picture of how so many of us today internally were struggling. Internally, we're struggling. And I think when it comes to this topic of depression, it is so easy for us to just kind of act and give this persona like everything on the exterior is a-okay. But internally, we're dying. Internally, we're falling apart. Internally, we feel like there is something that is blocking us and keeping us from experiencing a quality life. I think what's so interesting about depression is that so many of us could speak to the truth that whenever you're depressed, there's just this overwhelming feeling of sorrow and grief and all of these overwhelming emotions overcoming you, but the truth of it is, is that on the outside, it could be like everything is a-okay. When it comes to depression, you don't see band-aids or scratches or scrapes on the exterior, but all the while, someone it could be deeply hurt on the inside, and so many of us today, we can identify with this because depression, it's bringing all of these emotions within us and we just don't know what to do. I was reading a book and as I was studying, a psychologist once said this, depression is like the common cold of our emotions. Depression is like the common cold of our emotions and the problem is depression and mental illness has led so many of us to believe we need to make a permanent decision to end our life based on temporary emotions. And today depression has quickly become the leading cause of suicide in this generation and is leading so many of us to believe we're better off without the hurt or the world would be better off without us. And today, my hope is that some of you would feel encouraged, some of you would find healing, some of you would find freedom, because I want you to know it is always too early to give up. It's always too early to give up, but what we must do is identify the problem. We must identify the problem. And I want to do that by looking at this passage. You see in 1 Kings chapter 19, this man by the name of Elijah, he was a prophet. He was a man who was marked as one of the most significant prophets in the Bible. And even if this man's status of being a significant prophet, having the hand of God in his life, he still finds himself in this place where he's dealing with depression. You see, a prophet's sole responsibility was to hear from God and communicate that truth to God's people. And here is this influential man who's a prophet. God's hand is on his life. He's anointed. He's called by God. But yet he's struggling with depression. 
I think the greatest teaching point from that truth is this. No one is exempt from dealing with mental illness. No one is exempt from dealing with mental illness. And that's why I'm preaching this message, because all of us must live on guard. We all got to live on guard. And I just want to tell you the truth tonight. The enemy, he's lied to so many of you when it comes to depression, being depressed and all of these different emotions that we experience in this life. He's, he's lying to you and he wants you to give in to the lie. And tonight, my hope is that you would understand the lie and replace it with truth from God's word. Because the truth of it is, is this. So many, I'll just say this, so many of you, you've had someone, I'll even say a pastor or someone, a parent, or someone speak something over your life that sounds like this. If you just had more faith, you wouldn't deal with that. If you just had more faith, you wouldn't deal with depression. If you just had more faith, you wouldn't deal with these mental illnesses. And I want to let someone know the, tr know the truth. That is the farthest from the truth. That's the farthest from the truth. And the truth of it is this, mental illness and depression, it's not a sign of weakness. It's an opportunity for God to come and bring healing. It's not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign that you have weak faith. It's not a sign that you haven't been faithful to God. It is an opportunity for God to intervene and do something in your life. I want to dispel that lie today. As I was studying, researchers would say, or research would say, that there's over nine reasons or nine triggers that people could pinpoint and say that's a causation of depression. And I don't have nearly enough time to unpack all of that, but what's interesting about this story in 1 Kings chapter 19, in just a few verses, we could pinpoint some of the things in the prophet Elijah's life that correlate directly to depression. Now, to fully understand what took place in 1 Kings 19, you have to understand what took place in 1 Kings 18. And this is a lot, so follow me. 1 Kings 18, Elijah, the prophet, he's a man of God, called by God, anointed by God, appointed by God, and now there's 450 enemies of God. They're called the prophets of Baal. And on top of the 450 prophets of Baal, there's 400 prophets of Asherah. They're also enemies of God. So in total, you have 850 enemies of God, and Elijah, he has the responsibility of proving to them that the God of Israel is the one and only true God. So in this moment in 1 Kings 18, Elijah calls on the God of Israel. God appears to all of these people, the prophets of Baal, they get scared. And Elijah, single-handedly by himself, he kills all of the prophets of Baal because of their their, their false idols and their false worship. He single-handedly wipes out all 450 of the prophets of Baal, and right after his greatest triumph, which was that moment, we see him deal with his darkest moment of depression. Right after his greatest triumph, we see him deal with his darkest moment of depression. I want to call out some of those things in 1 Kings 19 that we read about that show Elijah's dealings with depression. In verses 3 through 6, it says Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life. What that shows me is this, Elijah, he was dealing with fear and anxiety. He was dealing with fear and anxiety. I'll just say this, we're going to speak about anxiety in a little bit, or in the coming weeks of this series, but anxiety is like the cousin to depression. If there's anxiety showing up, chances are depression is coming. Or if there's depression, chances are there's anxiety. 
And in this moment, this woman by the name of Jezebel, she's an enemy of God, and she starts to call out Elijah on what he did. It's like a social media call out. She's like, Elijah, I know that you killed the prophets of Baal. And she makes this statement in 1 Kings 19, verse 3. It says this. You got it on the screens? It says this. I'm going to kill you, Elijah. And if I don't kill you, I will be killed first. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to have you killed, Elijah. But if I don't get to you, I'm going to kill myself first. So what does Elijah do? He's scared. He's afraid. And he flees. He runs to a foreign land called Beersheba, a town in Beersheba. And what's interesting about this is whenever there's fear, we have three options. We can fight against fear. We can freeze in the moment. Or we can do what Elijah did, which is take flight and flee. And I think the story of Elijah in this moment, it depicts so many of us when fear and anxiety sets in. We take off, we flee. Instead of fighting it, we flee, we run. And the truth of it is this, if Elijah had dealt with the root of his fear, if he had gotten to the root of his fear, he would have been reminded the same God that gave him the strength to defeat 450 of God's enemies would be the same God to give him the strength to defeat Jezebel. He would have realized that the same God that gave him the strength to defeat 450 enemies of God would be the same God to give him strength to defeat Jezebel. You see, running from the problem, when we run from the problem, we try and run from our emotion. And the problem with, with that is this, we'll never get to the root of the emotion. We will always end up in this perpetual cycle of running from the emotion. And I'm here to challenge somebody today and let you know, stop fleeing from the emotion. Get to the root of the emotion. You want to find healing? Get to the root of the emotion. You want hope for your season? Get to the root of the emotion. And when you get to the root of the emotion, what you need to do is replace it with truth from God's word. What you need to do is replace it with truth from God's word. When fear or anxiety strikes, in order for us avo to avoid taking us to a place of depression or even a greater place where we're thinking of suicide, the truth of his word must fill the void. And when you know his truth, you're reminded of what he has said and spoken over each and every one of you in his word. The Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible says you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. The Bible says you are more than a conqueror for Christ Jesus. The Bible says greater is he that lives in you than he that lives in the world. And I believe that if Elijah had been reminded of that truth, chances are he wouldn't find himself dealing with immense depression. You see, not only do we see Elijah find himself in a place of fear and anxiety, we also see Elijah finding himself in isolation. He finds himself in isolation in verses three and four, tells us that Elijah, he ran to a far land called Beersheba and there in Beersheba, he left his servant. And hear this, in this time, historical context tells us the servant ought to go everywhere with the prophet. But there was something in Elijah's head that told him, I need to leave my servant. And not only that, the scripture then goes on in verse 4 to say, Elijah left his servant in Beersheba, and then he went into the wilderness, into the desert alone. 
He remained by himself, and I'm here to tell somebody today, one of the recipes of depression is isolation. One of the recipes for depression is always living in isolation all the way from the beginning of time in the Bible and the creation story. In Genesis, God created all things and said that it was, is well. And then he looked at man and said, it's not good for man to be alone. But the problem with our generation is far too many of us are making a decision to go through this life alone. The problem is many of us today, we're making a decision to say, you know what, I don't need small group. I don't need community. I can fight the battles of life by myself. I can find healing by myself. I can help myself. And as we were preparing this, this series, you know, we started with this, uh, this title for the series called Self-Care. And I quickly called Lindsay, I said, we can't call it that. Because that's the greatest issue in our generation. Too many people believe we can help ourselves. Friends, I'm here to tell you tonight, you need someone greater to help you, and his name is Jesus. You aren't capable of fighting life's battles by yourself. You need someone greater. So many of us, we're, we're making the mistake of isolating ourselves and we're experiencing pain, especially when it comes to mental health. So many of us believe instead of finding community or seeking help or getting community or getting whatever, getting attention from a professional, I'm just going to go through it by myself. So many of us, we're struggling. We're in the room tonight. We're struggling with all of these different things, but we just keep telling ourselves the lie that if I tell someone, they're going to judge me. If I tell someone, they're going to think I'm weird. Or if I tell someone, they won't be able to relate. You would be surprised how many people that are sitting next to you right now that are struggling in a deep and dark way. And I just want to tell you, we've created a space at the exchange called small groups. And my heart and my vision for small groups is that you would find healing and hope in Christ's community. And it's a safe space. It's a judgment-free space. It's a space for you to find healing and hope. It's a place for you to talk about your woundedness, because here's the truth. We all need people who care for us. We all need people that will just listen to our cry. We all need people that we can call in the darkest hour. We all need people that will point us in the direction of rescue and safety and help and restoration. We all need people that will help us get back to a place of wholeness. Isolation is never the solution for your pain. Isolation's never the solution for your pain. Some of you, you would say, well, Mark, I'm already in a small group, but I'm still dealing with all of these dark emotions. I'm still dealing with mental illness. I'm still dealing with depression. I just want to challenge you because the truth of it is you could be in a small group and not find healing because the truth of it is you're not being honest. See, the truth of that is you're only as good as you are honest. You are only as good as you are honest. Some of you have been going to groups and you're just sitting there playing the part. I want to challenge you. Seek healing. Seek help. Get honest with yourself and with others. See, the other thing that we see in the life of Elijah is not only that he's dealing with anxiety and fear, but he also falls into this trap. See, what's so crazy about this is, is Elijah, he's on this journey. And as I was studying this text, this just came to me. Elijah's on this journey. He flees from Beersheba. He ends up in the middle of the wilderness. Then he finds himself sitting underneath a bush. 
He had just got done running all these miles. He's alone, he's lonely, he's frustrated. He feels like killing himself. All of these thoughts are hitting him in this moment. He's sitting underneath a bush and he cries out to God and he says, Lord, take my life. And if you've been coming to our, our church on the weekends at Grace Family Church, we just finished a collection uh, through the book of Jonah. We just studied the book of Jonah. And what's interesting about this is in Jonah chapter four, we see Jonah say the same thing, sitting underneath a bush. He says, Lord, take my life. Can I remind you, he was alone as well. He was filled with anxiety. He fled for all of his life. Isolation is never the solution for your pain and problems. And not only that, we also see Elijah, he falls into a trap that many of us fall into. It's called the comparison trap. I believe comparison always leads to discontentment, and discontentment it's a recipe for depression. Discontentment is a recipe for depression. And we see in verse 4, Elijah, he makes this random remark. He says, Lord, take my life, for I am nothing like my ancestors and those who were of the past. He says that out of nowhere. Just throws that statement out there. And I believe that comparison is one of the leading causes of depression today. It's the comparison trap. And I think that today we live in a comparison culture. We live in, in a comparison culture. I love what uh, the great theologian Teddy Roosevelt once said, comparison is the thief of joy. He's not a theologian, by the way. Comparison is the thief of joy, but I'm here to tell you today, comparison is not only the thief of joy, it's the thief of peace. And there's this thing called Instagram and social media, and I'm telling you today, so many of us are hooked and glued to this thing called social media, and what we're doing is scrolling away our peace. We're scrolling away our peace. You were happy with your Honda Accord until somebody else got a BMW. You were all good with your one one bedroom, uh, one bedroom, one bath apartment until somebody bought a house. And you're comparing yourself and you're falling into this trap and it's leading you to feel like you're not enough. It's robbing you of your peace and it's leading you to depression. Ladies, so many of you today, you're, you're struggling with self-image because you, you see all these women that, that posting photos like this and like this. And, but you don't see the moment where they're spending three hours just trying to crop that image. You, you don't see the time that they're putting into working out and doing all this extra stuff just to, just to get that guy's attention. Can I tell you, you don't need the attention of a man. You need the attention of a savior and his name is Jesus Christ. We don't need to fall into the comparison trap, and I'm challenging some of you tonight. Fight to maybe just take some time away from that app. Maybe you need to take a step to delete the app. Maybe you just need to put a screen time, a limit on that application to protect you from falling into the comparison trap. The fourth thing we see in the life of Elijah that I believe brought about depression for him is that he had unhealthy rhythms and imbalances in his lifestyle. I believe that many of us today, we have unhealthy rhythms and imbalances in our lifestyle. And I wanna qualify this because I do believe wholeheartedly that yes, chemical imbalances and genetic deficiencies are an onset for depression. But so many of us, we're focused on chemical imbalances and we forget about imbalances in our lifestyle. 
Researchers, they want to talk about all these biological deficiencies, genetic deficiencies, all these different things. But can I tell you, so many of us would be surprised if we just adopted some healthy rhythms in our life, how things would change. And I believe that Elijah experiences that in this moment. Hear this, Elijah, he was running himself ragged. He was running himself ragged. He ran 200 miles in the span of a couple days. The Bible says, hear this, he actually outran a horse in a foot race. What? On top of that, the scripture tells us in this story that not only was Elijah running himself ragged, he wasn't eating. He was restless. He's in the middle of the, a desert. Chances are there was no water. He was running himself ragged. And I believe this is a picture of so many of us. Not that you have killed 400 people, I hope not, but that you are running yourself ragged. And the truth is, so many of us are not only running ourselves ragged, we're running ourselves to our own grave. You see, when I talk about lifestyle imbalances, I've experienced this in my own life. And I think about a moment in my life when I was in college and I just finished playing football. And in this time of my life, um, I was working a full-time job, getting part-time pay. How many of you know what that feels like? Yeah. I'm surprised you actually admitted to that. Hey, hey, humility, that's key. Anyways, all right. <laughs> On top of that, I'm in school, full-time, not even full-time. I was actually doing 24, uh, 24 credit hours my last couple semesters of college. On top of that, I had a full-time internship that required me to be in a building at 4.30 in the morning, Monday through Friday. And I remember just feeling so stressed out each and every day, each and every night, and so overwhelmed. I remember one time, uh, it was coming into the weekend, I said, you know what, I'm going to drive home, which is Tampa, and I'm in Miami, and I'm headed home, and finally I arrive on my driveway here in Tampa. And I remember I just sit in the car and I, something just overcame my body. It was like paralysis. I couldn't get up, I couldn't move. I couldn't even think straight, but emotions just hit me and tears are flowing down my face. And I remember just saying, why am I here? What is happening? And in the middle of this season of life that I was in, my parents were walking through a very difficult divorce. And I remember I didn't even want to get out of the car to see my mom shed another tear. And as all of these different thoughts are hitting my head or coming to my mind, I'm sitting here saying, I could just give up. I could just throw the towel in. I'd probably be better off not experiencing all this hurt. All these thoughts just started plaguing my mind. I'm like, I could just quit my job. I don't need to pursue ministry any longer. I don't even have a call in my life. I started believing all of these different lies. And can I tell you, the greatest thing that I learned in that season of life is just because it's doable doesn't mean it's sustainable. And I'm here to tell so many of you that today, you're working a new job and you feel like you need to prove yourself, so you're working 60 hours a week. It's not sustainable. So many of you feel like you need to prove yourself to that boyfriend or girlfriend, so you're working overtime, day after day, day after day, day after day, so you can take them to the finest restaurants. It's not worth it. Some of you need to understand you have these unhealthy rhythms in your life. Can I just tell you the truth? So many of you need to understand, just like Elijah, this man who now finds himself in a cave and the angel of the Lord provides bread and water for him. So many of you would be surprised if you just changed your diet, how different life would be. 
She's like a dietitian or something. <laughs> so many of you would be surprised if you actually got eight hours of sleep, how different life would be. But that means you got to put in some restrictions. That means you may actually have to stop watching Love is Blind and Ozark till 2 o'clock. It may mean you need to change up your rhythms and your lifestyle. I think about this. There's a quote from Dr. Stephen A. Artie. As I was studying for this, he says this in the book, Depression Cure. He says, we were never created for the sedentary, indoor, sleep-deprived, socially isolated, fast-food-laden, frantic pace of modern society. I'm here to tell some of you today, just like Elijah, you need to slow down, get some rest, eat a healthy meal, go back to sleep, drink some water, get some rest. You need to maybe put some restrictions on your phone and your devices. You need to maybe slow down the pace of life. Maybe you need to actually use your PTO. I want to be practical here tonight because I believe so many of us don't even realize we're putting expectations on ourselves that are running us to the grave. They're running us to the grave. See, not only do we see Elijah struggling with unhealthy rhythms and imbalances in his lifestyle, but we also see Elijah in 1 Kings 19. He was deceived. You see, the enemy, he loves to deceive people. He loves to deceive people who are loved by God, pursued by God, pursuing God, called by God, anointed by God, seeking God. He loves to start whispering lies into your ear. He loves to start telling you things that are farthest from the truth. And there's so many different things in different areas in 1 Kings 19 that I could point out where Elijah was deceived. But the greatest area where Elijah was deceived and the greatest moment we see Elijah was deceived when he believed the answer to his pain was to take his life. And I don't know who I'm speaking to tonight, but I know someone in the room needs to hear this. The answer to your pain is never suicide. The answer to your pain should never be suicide. I'm here to tell someone today, you don't have to die. You don't have to die to end your pain. You don't have to take your life to end your pain. Emotions are real, but they're not always reliable. You don't have to give up. This, this topic really matters to me because I remember close to about 10 years ago now at this point in time, I remember one day um, I was coming home from school and my mom had called me and she told me one of my, my good friends, he had passed away. This was about 10 years ago and this young man was nothing about 13 years old at the time. And I remember my mom's explaining this to me, but I couldn't really pinpoint or really understand what she was saying when she said he had died. What I didn't realize is that this young man's mother walked into her house one day after work and had to see her son hanging by a noose from the tree in the backyard. And I remember as my mom was unpacking this to me, I just remembered, man, if he had known the truth, he would have known there was another answer to his pain. You see, this young man really believed that the answer to his pain was to just throw in the towel and commit suicide. And the truth of it is like this, no one knew what was going on in his life until we read the letter that he had left explaining what he was experiencing. 
And I remember as my mom sharing this, I'm like, man, how different things would have been if he had known the truth and if he had replaced the lies of the enemy with truth from God's word. But instead, he decided to end his pain by ending his life. And what I want you to know today, it's okay to not be okay. But the truth of it is this. God doesn't want to see you stay there. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay for you to stay that way. And if you're struggling, you need to get help. You need help. And the premise of this whole message today is if you're struggling with mental illness, if you're struggling with depression, don't try to fight the battle on your own. Get the help that you need. You can get help. We got some resources for you today that we wanna share with you. And if you pull out your phone, Everyone all across the room, there's some resources if you scan that QR code and it has approved counselor, mental health counselors, it has psychologists and different resources that apply directly to you if you're struggling in any area. And on top of that, in that resource, I just want to speak to the person that walked in the room tonight and you've been challenged to believe that there's any purpose on your life. I want you to know there's purpose on your life. And before the enemy continues to whisper those lies into your ear, I want you to know you can get some professional help today. In that resource, there's a suicide prevention hotline that we have listed there. And I want you to please hear me. You don't have to end your life to end your pain. Get help. Call that number. Get help. The truth of it is this, not only should you get help, from professional help or stepping into a small group and getting a community of people to come alongside of you. I want you to know this truth from what we learned today. No matter the season of life that we're in, God is with you. God is with you and he loves you right where you are. He loves you right where you are, but he loves you way too much to see you suffer. He loves you. He's with you. He loves you right where you are. And as this story ended in 1 Kings chapter 19, the ending of this story, it, it always just hits me. It, it hits me in such a way I can't even explain it because in this moment, in the midst of Elijah experiencing depression and anxiety and all of these different things, in the midst of mental illness and feeling like he needs to just take his own life, the Bible says as Elijah, he's sleeping in a cave. The angel of the Lord appears to him yet again and says, Elijah, get up and eat some food. And he eats the food, he goes back and gets some more rest. And after that, Elijah hears the voice of the Lord that says to him, Elijah, what are you doing? Get up. So Elijah, he gets up, he goes out to the cleft of the rock, the front of the rock. And now he's waiting for a sign. And historically in this time in the Old Testament, God would reveal himself in supernatural ways that people didn't understand. So as Elijah, he's waiting on a sign from God. The Bible says that in that moment, he's going out to the edge of the cave to seek the voice of the Lord. And in that moment, a strong wind blows. And Elijah starts looking to see if that was a sign that the Lord was going to appear. But the Lord wasn't there. After that, an earthquake comes. And Elijah, he looks to see if the Lord was present in the earthquake. No, the Lord wasn't present in the earthquake. After that, a fire comes about. And Elijah's looking like, Lord, is that you? And no, the Lord wasn't there. 
But the Bible says, but then there was a still, small voice, a whisper. And it was the voice of God. And you know what that tells me to hear a whisper? That means you have to be close. You see, even in Elijah's darkest hour, God was close. Even in the midst of fear, anxiety, depression, mental illness, and all of the struggles in that moment, God was close. To hear a whisper, you have to be close. And what that means is God was close in the midst of his struggle. And today I wanna let someone know, you may feel like you're in the darkest hour of your life, God is still close. You may feel like your life is upside down. You may feel like you're in the pit of depression. God is still close. And when I say this, I mean this with all of my heart. The answer to your depression isn't isolation. The answer to depression isn't living in fear. The answer to depression isn't committing suicide. There are people in the room tonight that daily you have been feeling like you just need to commit suicide. Daily you've been feeling like you need to throw the towel in. Daily you feel like giving up. There's people in the room tonight that you've been feeling like self-harm is the answer to your problem. Suicide is the answer to your problem. But I'm here to tell someone tonight, there's appointed time by God for men and women to die, but that's in God's timing, not yours. So hear me on this, friends. You can get up. It is always too early to give up. You can get up because God is near. You don't gotta give up. You don't have to end your life to end your pain. You don't have to feel like suicide is the answer. You can get out of the cave. But you gotta believe this one thing, that if God be for you, who could stand against you? That greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And the other truth of it is this, the gospel truth, that he defeated sin, death, the grave, Depression, anxiety, fear, hurt, panic, worry, doubt, shame, guilt. He defeated it for you. So I want to challenge you tonight. As we leave this room, this isn't just a talk to just get you feeling goosebumps or anything. This is a talk to challenge you. Get the help that you need. Because the truth of it is, you don't have to end your life to end your pain. There is healing in the promise of God. So I want everybody to stand up right now. I declare truth over the person that walked in the room right now. You've been feeling heavy. You've been feeling broken. You've been feeling like ending your life. The end of your story isn't suicide. There's a greater story that God wants to do in you. There's a greater work that God wants to do in you. So don't be deceived by the schemes of the enemy. Press on, press forward, get up, Get help and keep moving.